Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, first of all, bounce on over to the AmericanClassroom.substack.com if you're interested and check out my latest for the month of October. Commitment to Schottenfreude. Uh, persistently failing education agendas and their love of perceived pain. It is pretty evident, I think, that, of course, the individuals running the entire education system into the ground are doing it because they love chaos. They love meetings, they love committees, they love creating problems, and yet they also love solving the problems that they create. They don't know nor understand how simple it could all be but they fill it with games, gimmicks, clubs, nonsense, political ideology, and a thousand other things, money wasting. The list is endless. But uh, I just highlight a bunch of recent examples and simply ask the question, do you actually think this is a business that's going to survive? And of course, that's rhetorical because it won't survive. Not to mention the upcoming election, the levies that are on the ballot, a number of other issues that are all going to negatively affect the individuals within the education environments, one specifically in the state of Ohio, which of course is issue two, which is going to be on the ballot, which has to do with the legalization of marijuana and recreational use of marijuana. You know, a long time ago, in I forget which book it was, but uh, it may have been the mental and emotional health of school age students, but it, it could have also been purposeful deception. I'm not entirely sure. Either way, it was in it was in one of those books where I again simply said, when it comes to the the business of marijuana use within a state and legalizing it, I can't think of a worse place to attempt to be a school teacher, let alone a student. It doesn't matter if it's legal for twenty one and up. It doesn't matter the age restriction. It always finds itself down to the lower level with ease, which again means what would keep. American K-12 school teachers who use from showing up high and under the influence. Absolutely nothing. It's completely legal. It would be legal. And I understand somebody would say, well, Sean, you know, alcohol is legal and, uh, you know, they're not allowed to show up to school drunk. Well, as it turns out, the list of uses for marijuana are Unfortunately, although some of it is legitimate, but many of it is not, and we know many individuals use it for false purposes uh, th that are not medical-related, but they might have medical excuses as to why they're under the influence within a school building. My point is, is that when it came to the state of Colorado in particular, I remember bringing that up and saying, hey, look, if you want to be a school teacher, don't be a school teacher in the state of Colorado. Same thing with California. Why would you want to show up to a school building where you can assume that a percentage of the school employees are under the influence? And then again, if somebody questions them for acting irrationally or saying something that you know maybe they shouldn't or behaving in a way that seems out of the ordinary, all they have to do is reach into their back pocket and pull out their little medical card and say, oh, I take it for depression, or I take it for anxiety, or I take it for this, or I take it for that. It isn't any different than any pharmaceutical drug then. That has a similar effect on a person. It's the same excuse making, is my entire point. These are not environments where people are learning anything. They're not learning the truth about the world we live in. 
I mean, it's already an environment that's filled with brainwashed goons who have no idea what they're talking about. Whatever the latest flavor of the month political issue there is, uh, you know, they'll start throwing stickers and flags everywhere and trying to have conversations with students about something they know nothing about. They've always been a very reactionary environment. That isn't changing, and that's not going to change. It's just going to continue to be that way. So they're digging themselves their own grave. They have no idea. I'm fine with it. I'm sitting back and watching it happen, and that's about all I can do. All I can do is just continue to warn people that they need to get out of the way. Because again, with the upcoming taxes and the upcoming levies and the upcoming initiatives and, and all of these things, all of these are going to lead to the environment becoming more problematic than it already is. So again, like I said in previous episodes, I'm going to set aside a separate episode, which I haven't recorded yet, uh, and I'm going to tackle a bunch of local issues here before the election. But either way, that continues to be a major issue, and I, I can't for the life of me figure out why anybody would want to enter the profession today, let alone with the legalization of a highly addictive drug that, uh, that doesn't help anything. Again, I understand it can have medicinal use when it comes to taking other particular drugs, in particular when it comes to things like appetite and sleep and things of that nature. I fully get it, but look, CBD does the exact same thing. CBD is legal for anybody 18 and above, and CBD will get a person high. So if a person is interested in you know, abusing a substance in the interest of feeling a particular way or feeling different than they normally feel, they, ha they still have the ability to do that right now. All this does, again, is perpetuate a much larger problem, which is the brainwashing of the masses. It's all about hypnosis. It's all about taking over the country and making it easier to deceive people because everybody's just going to walk around high, or at least some people will. And, uh, and, and that's not going to be good for anybody. So anyway, I wanted to bring that to everybody's attention again. It's just one small topic that I just very briefly reference within my latest substack, but there you go. Okay. I also want to bring this to your attention, and I will link this in the description below. A listener of the show sent this my way. They know who they are, and thank you. But there's the channel on YouTube called Moon, and they put out a video the other day that is titled, How School Ruined Your Entire Life. It's about 37 minutes long, and it is an exquisite, very quick rundown of the history of education and why it is the way that it is and where it's going. And of course, it leads right into very recent examples of corruption, specifically dealing with academic fraud in higher education, in particular, again, among presidents and, of course, other staff members who are fraudulent in their research and their publications. The same is true, uh, you know, of course, most recently with the faculty or at least the higher-up administration at Harvard University with the, with the doxing of Palestinian students and then putting their names, phone numbers, and addresses all over the sides of these you know, automated, automated trucks that have messages that, that shine on, on both sides of them and, uh, and, and revealing their identities. That's a Bolshevik tactic because they're Bolsheviks, and that's what they do. But again, you know, the unfortunate part about doxing is, is it's not necessarily against the law. If it leads to harassment, well, harassment is a crime. If it leads to vandalism, well, vandalism is a crime. 
but unfortunately the vector and the actual method with which can increase the likelihood of something like that happening is is not a crime. Doxing people is not a crime. And it should be because it's, you know, I mean it's not it's not great, but again, it's a Bolshevik tactic and the Bolsheviks know exactly what they're doing. They know that they can come right up against that line against what is legal and what is illegal and they can stay right on it and dance right on it and nothing will happen to them. So it's rather despicable, but it's Harvard University, and that's par for the course. But either way, they're you know they're attacking their own. I mean, think about that. You've got again an administration and a president of a university attacking their own students publicly. Again, this is not a business that can survive, and it's not one that deserves to survive. So it's just one more recent example. But either way, I will link the description. Of this video, which again is titled How School Ruined Your Entire Life, in the description below, it is uh, highly recommended. It's very good, nice summary. And there you go. Okay. Leading into education related things, I wanted to read this very quickly. This is from Reason.com Free Minds and Free Markets. It is titled The COVID Bailout of State and Local Governments Was Unnecessary. Yes, it most certainly was, for a variety of reasons. And this, too, is another example of what I bring up in the substack. The American universities and the K-12 school districts that accepted COVID cash should have returned the check right back to the state and the federal government. They should have all done that. But they don't. Why? Simple. It's free money. As far as they're concerned, it's free money. And they're told to spend it, and they're told to spend it by a certain time. And then if they have questions about what they can spend it on, well, they'll ask those questions. And if they want a new roof on their building, then they'll do it. If they want uh, new windows for a building, then they'll do it. It has nothing to do with some alleged illness, which doesn't exist. That's not the point. They're simply accepting money that the government doesn't have. And now they're all complaining because the state doesn't have more money to give them for their basic budgets that they would normally have on a year-in and year-out basis. So here's what the article specifically says. The subtitle is, Well over half of those funds remain unspent, according to a new government accountability office report. It says, Two years after Congress authorized a hugely expensive bailout of state and local governments as part of a COVID-era emergency spending bill, most of the money still hasn't been spent. Perhaps the bailout wasn't even needed in the first place. In a new report, the Government Accountability Office, the GAO, found that states, including Washington, D.C., had spent just 45% of the funding they have received through the Coronavirus State and Local Fiscal Recovery Funds Program, a $350 billion line item within a $2 trillion American Rescue Plan, or ARPA which passed in March of 2021. Local governments had reported spending just 38% of their funds received through the same program. Those figures are based on mandatory reports filed quarterly with the Treasury and reflect spending through the end of March of 2023, two years after the bailout was approved by Congress. It says, quote, The new GAO study confirms that ARPA spending was not needed. Chris Edwards, Chair of Fiscal Studies at the Cato Institute, tells Reason, quote, By the fall of 2020, it was clear that states were in good fiscal shape and not facing Armageddon 
as many policymakers were claiming. They did not need federal handouts. The only people, ladies and gentlemen, who needed any kind of a handout were the individuals who were kicked out of their businesses by government in the first place, but they weren't the ones that got the bailout. They didn't receive anything. Again, you know, I'm beating a dead horse here, but, and, and, and we know this, this is beyond rhetorical. You know the answer to this. This was all based on a lie. It was all done to destroy our economy. It was all done to tank the dollar. It was all done to do all of those things. And then, of course, run businesses right into the ground and ruin families. And every time that that occurs, and every time that people become insolvent, as a business or as a family, the suicide rate dramatically increases. So as all of that is a giant on purpose, again, based on a lie, based on something that didn't exist, there was no illness. There were just idiots who injected themselves with flu shots in 2019. And then, of course, the visual scare tactics. And then, again, governor orders, you have to shut down your business. If you don't, you're going to get fined. I mean, we're talking about a level of criminality here that still no one has been held accountable for. Nobody. It was highway robbery that was government-sanctioned and caught on film. And no one has been held accountable. This article continues, and it gives you a few examples as to exactly what some of this nonsense money was spent on within these states. But it says, quote, the effectiveness of that spending has been repeatedly called into question. In a National Bureau of Economic Research working paper published in June of 2022, a trio of researchers found that pandemic-era aid distributed to state and local governments had cost taxpayers about $855,000 per job saved. The stimulus spending had only, quote, a modest impact on government employment and has not translated into detectable gains for private businesses or for states' overall economic recoveries, unquote, concluded University of California San Diego economists Jeffrey Clemens and Philip Hoxie, uh, and American Enterprise Institute senior fellow Stan Verger, I'm saying that right, probably not, uh, the paper's three authors. They said, quote, even the unstated assumption behind these handouts that Washington should step in if there are dips in state revenue is badly flawed, wrote David Ditch and Richard Stern, policy analysts at the Heritage Foundation, in a report last month that highlighted the state and local bailout, among other wasteful COVID-era programs. See, all of it was wasteful. All of it. The tests don't work and are remarkably harmful, in particular the swab tests, which I'll, I have a, a horrific story I'll bring up later about that. The tests are flawed, they're predetermined, the masks do nothing, and the shots kill everybody who takes them. Every single branch on this tree is rotten, because the roots are rotten, because the trunk is rotten. There is no fruit on this whatsoever, none, which means anything that was being done to the tree was fake. It wraps up and it says, quote, many states are fiscally mismanaged and federal bailouts enable them to avoid much needed discipline, unquote. No kidding. Here's an example. It says, indeed, as Reason has reported, a good chunk of the state and local bailout funds were put 
to questionable use, including subsidizing money losing, government-owned golf courses. It says lots of other governments use the stimulus cash to pad the paychecks of public employees. Iowa, specifically, spent $12.5 million of its $4.5 billion cut of the federal bailout on a new baseball stadium near the Field of Dreams movie set, because that's an essential public health issue, of course. Unquote. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. The amount of money that was used for travel marketing and promotional campaigns and all this other nonsense. Uh, you know, bridges and roads. What, what, what did that have to do with COVID? What does that have to do with some illness that doesn't exist? It doesn't have anything to do with it. Nothing. And now some of these, again, states and even local municipalities are having a hard time figuring out where the money should go now, or else they have to give it all back. They're screwed. They're all screwed. They played a game they shouldn't have been playing, and the only people that are laughing right now are the ones who chose not to play. The ones that said, oh, you're going to give us this money? We don't want it. And then state officials would say, well, what do you mean you don't want it? Well, we don't want it. See, saying the word no, as I say in the substack, is a very hard thing for these politicians and these bureaucrats to do. They just don't say no. I mean, if anybody has ever questioned, again, you know, the education business as a whole, as to why it's always changing and why things are always being added and why very few things are actually disappearing and being taken away, it's pretty simple. It's because the individuals at the top refuse to say no. They refuse to simplify everything. Because if you're not simplifying things, you're adding things on, which means all you're doing is saying yes on a constant basis. Yes, we're going to do that. Yes, we're going to try that. Yes, give us that money. Yes, we'll fill out this paperwork. Yes, 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 yes. And then all it does is piss off everybody at the lower level who's forced to do it, whether it makes any sense or not. And then, of course, if, you're, if you don't play along, well, you're not a team player and you're insubordinate and then you get fired. And that's the way that that works. It is just, I mean, it's slavery. It's slavery. And again, why would you turn down free money? What's wrong with you? It's not free money. It's never free money. It's not that simple. Okay. Just wanted to briefly touch on that because, again, it's nice that some people are pointing this out, but no one's going to be held accountable for this. They just aren't. All based on a lie. Because, let's face it, every large crime that's ever occurred is always based on a lie, on a mass scale like this. You can't coordinate something like this telling the truth. You truly can't. It has to be coordinated in order to be a false flag, in order to be a psychological operation, and then they have to carry through with it to basically tie everybody in to their own criminality, certainly among the schemers. And then before you know it, the basic citizen is played along and they have no idea. So really disgusting, but there you go. Okay. Education stuff now, more specifically. Quick little follow-up. You may recall this story from a while back. I brought it up uh, a number of months ago, and this happened back in the early spring. In fact, sorry, uh, February, actually. You may recall the, uh, the black, quote-unquote, autistic student who flattened the, uh, the, the female teacher in the school building on camera because the teacher told him to stop playing his Nintendo Switch. 
he ran up to her, uh, forearm shivered her, knocked her to the ground. She she blacked out, and then he got on top of her and started wailing on the top of her head. A couple of people passed and didn't do anything, and then finally some people got him off of her, and uh, there you have it. Fortunately, as it turns out, the uh, well the student's name first of all is Brendan Deepa, and the female teacher is a Joan Nightich. And he, of course, the student, was 270 pounds at the time and, again, just bulldozed right over top of her. Point is, is that he's facing now 30 years in prison, which is great. And, again, in a twist of events, the Florida teacher who was beaten is not sympathetic to the individual and is not pleading for a lighter sentence for the individual. Now, let's face it. This is shocking. Normally, in cases like this, when you have a black student attacking a faculty member, doesn't matter who it is, usually the faculty member who's been beaten to a pulp will uh, will say, "Well, we need to be fair and equitable, and you know, diversity and inclusion, and we need to do all of that." And I don't think that their life should be ruined because they almost killed me. So I would I would urge the judge to be light on a sentence. Normally, that's what would happen among these brainwashed leftist weirdos. As it turns out, not the case now. Rather refreshing. Hopefully, they throw the book at this, uh, this lunatic, and he doesn't get out of jail for all 30 years. That would be fantastic. Now, what I would like to see is I would like to see this happen when students attack other students in school. And again, I know it goes without saying why you send your children to these environments is beyond me, but for those that still do, anytime a student physically attacks or physically assaults and beats or batters another student, the book should be thrown at these individuals, 100%. Felonious assault and battery, years in juvenile detention, you name it. And then again, if they're old enough to stand trial uh, and be tried as an adult, then do it then push for that. But if you're lenient with any of these individuals, I'm telling you, it's always setting a terrible example. Because everybody hears about it, and then you become a laughing stock because you actually stood up for the people that were victimizing you in the first place. Who knows? Maybe inadvertently, this, Brand, this Brendan Deepa knocks some sense into her. And uh, in her state of unconsciousness, she actually saw the light and realized that, yeah, you shouldn't defend these people. They're criminals and they belong in jail. It's that simple. Now, of course, there's this, because again, let's face it, these are not academically sound places either, nor I should say are the tests that they're having these students take, which I'm sure don't even align whatsoever with anything that they're being taught within these environments. In fact, I'm actually shocked that anybody takes an ACT test anymore. I haven't seen an ACT test in a number of years, don't even know what it looks like, but there's, again, there can't be any way possible that uh, anybody would academically succeed on one of these fake tests, which again, by themselves are no determining factor as to whether or not an individual is going to be successful at all. It's just a matter of how many lies have they memorized. Either way, as it turns out here, and this is from The Blaze, and my apologies on The Blaze, I know that they're full Israel to the bone. Just like Gateway Pundit, full Israel to the bone, they couldn't be more wrong. But either way, 
The title here is ACT scores hit 30-year low as some universities drop admission testing requirements. Yes, because that's exactly what a failing system does. You see, if you're a pants store and all you do is sell pants and you're not selling any pants, you eventually have to let people in your store who don't wear pants. They just Donald Duck it right through the front door and you have to let that happen because, well, you have no business anymore. So, no pants, no problem. Come on in. Nice genitals you got there, sir. Here's a pair of pants. Oh, look, we sold a pair of pants. Hooray for us. That's exactly the business model. That's what's happening here. It's, in- it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Again, they've done it with... A- SAT scores. They've done it with now the ACT. You don't have to take any of these tests anymore to enter a college or university. And frankly, I'm not shocked because again, they aren't determining factors as to one's success within those environments because let's face it, you don't have to try very hard to pass. Again, when I was going to school, C's and D's get degrees was the old line that we used to use. And it was true. It doesn't mean anything. It's just, again, if if you graduate as valedictorian from your high school or you graduate at the top of your class in college, congratulations. You, you spent your time memorizing lies. Anywho, the article here says this. Students' ACT scores hit more than a 30-year record low. Uh, according to the organization that administers the college admissions test. Meanwhile, some universities have opted to drop admissions testing requirements altogether. High school students' results have been declining for six consecutive years. Approximately 1.4 million students took the test this year, an increase from the previous year, and the average composite score declined by 0.3 points from 2022. According to ACT, between 2022 and 23, the average mathematics score dropped 0.3 points, English 0.4 points, reading 0.3 points, and science 0.3 points. The average scores for mathematics, reading, and science were below ACT college readiness benchmarks. Yes, I'm sure those are valid. And it says the minimum scores required for students to have a high probability of success in a college-level course. Well, that's impossible. I bombed the ACT twice. Bombed it. Didn't take it seriously either time. Practically Christmas treat it. Didn't care because I was already going to college. So what was the point of even taking it? Again, all you had to do was take it. You didn't have to pass it. And when you tell people that, like, you know, like a young Sean Brooks, who's a 17-year-old senior uh, in his last semester, uh, about to be, you know, a, a college freshman in January and graduate early, why would I take it seriously? I wouldn't. I'd be wasting my time. So that's how that's how I took it. And then they simply asked me, well, did you take the ACT? I said, I sure did. And they went, well, welcome aboard. And I said, thanks. It was that simple. If you know that the test is useless before you go into it, why are you even going to try? Again, if you've ever read any of Thomas Sowell's books, he'll tell you the exact same thing. They are not determining factors of success whatsoever. They're fraudulent. They've always been. Why? Because they're a money grab. You have to pay to sign up. You have to pay to take it. There's practice sessions. You pay for those. You pay for the booklets. You're wasting your time. It's, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. 
It goes on here, the article, it says, ACT reported that four in 10 high school seniors met, quote, none of the college readiness benchmarks this year, with 70% failing to meet mathematics standards. I wonder if the legalization of marijuana also has something to do with it. Interesting. It says, quote, the percentages of students meeting all four benchmarks dropped 1.3 percentage points from 22.1% of students in 2022 to 20.8% of students in 2023, whereas the percentage of students meeting no benchmarks increased by 1.7 percentage points from 41.6% in 2022 to 43.3% in 2023. It says ACT CEO Janet Goodwin said, quote, We are also continuing to see a rise in the number of seniors leaving high school without meeting any of the college readiness benchmarks, even as student GPAs continue to rise and students report that they feel prepared to be successful in college. Okay, I'm going to stop the quote there first. I'll finish the second half in a minute. Why is that the case? Why is it that GPAs are going up? Test scores are going down. Or these college readiness quote-unquote test scores are going down. And there's this false sense of inflated ego among graduates from high school into college believing that they're going to be successful. Well, there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, there's endless reasons. Number one, we know that most of the classes at the high school level now are becoming project-based. There's very little testing going on. So it's how do you think, how do you feel, you know, what do you feel about this issue, write about your feelings. And then everybody gets an A because the teachers are by and large lazy. And there's no real rubric, and they just want to make every you know make everything subjective for the most part. Again, you don't have to know how to spell, read, or write. You just have to articulate your feelings, and then congratulations, you won't fail. Turn everything in on time, and you'll never fail. Again, there's no real rigor because there doesn't have to be. That would require the the teacher actually having a grasp of their subject and knowing the truth about their subject. And frankly, they tend not to. They're just repeating what's in the book and repeating what's in the curriculum, not knowing that's what, that what is in those is not legitimate in the slightest. The quote here continues, and she said, uh, quote, The hard truth is that we are not doing enough to ensure that graduates are truly ready for post-secondary success in college and career. These systemic problems require sustained action and support at the policy level. This is not up to teachers and principals alone. It is a shared national priority and imperative, unquote. Well, here's the problem, too. The ACT and the SAT as tests are out on an island by themselves. They're all by themselves is basically this irrelevant island. Unfortunately, you have two other irrelevant islands that have a bridge between those islands. And those islands are K-12 education and higher education. And as, I, as I've said before in previous episodes, those two entities alone, with the testing way off to the side on their own island, those two islands are not only joined at the hip now in a way that they've never been, but they're actually relying on one another in an effort to legitimize one another. And they're failing at it. They're failing. I've used the example again of 
a sinking ship in the middle of the ocean. When there's no more life rafts around, what are you going to use as a life raft? You're going to use each other. So all they're doing is pushing on each other. And then, of course, they're drowning one another in the process. So there's less and less of them regarding all of their policies and their procedures and their brainwashed ideologies and a thousand other things. But this, this ACT group over here is saying, hey, what about us? Why aren't you doing well regarding what we're asking you to do? And both of those entities of higher ed and K-12 education are saying, yeah, we don't think we need you anymore. We don't think we really need you. Now, why don't they need them? Let's ask that question. The reason that they don't need those testing benchmarks anymore is not just because they've always been fraudulent, which they really have, but they don't align with any of the ideologies that exist within the K-12 environments anymore. They just don't. They're not going to ask questions about social justice and, uh, I mean, pick one. You know, pick any of those subjects. That's probably not going to find its way to an ACT test or an SAT test. It just won't. Which means, again, the person taking the test is going to look at it, and it's going to seem as if they're taking it in a foreign language. It's remarkable. I mean, they're doing each other in. They're wrecking each other's lines of work. I love it. They're just shooting in the dark at one another and saying, hey, did you hear that gunshot from over there? Uh, you know, shoot back. They have no idea that they're shooting at one another. It's incredible. <laughs> it's, it's, it's remarkable. It continues. It says, ACT noted that the class of 2023 were in their freshman year of high school when COVID-related, here it comes, here it comes, the COVID excuse, when COVID-related government shutdowns forced school closures or extended periods of time negatively impacting students' learning opportunities. No, wrong again. Wrong again. Oh, wow. I, if, you, if you hold a shell up to your ear, you can hear the COVID, the COVID truck backing up. I mean, it's making that beeping noise. It's absolutely incredible. They will, they will use that excuse until the end of time. Well, it was COVID and the times of COVID and it was hard on everybody. What were we going to do? It wasn't our choice. It was a pandemic and people were dying and God help us all. Uh, sorry. It's just so exhausting. It's so repetitive and exhausting. But here we go. More information. It says, as test scores continue to decline, some universities are choosing to adopt test-optional admission standards for the 21-22 application cycle. I, of course, covered this back then. And here it goes again. It says several schools dropped the requirements, including Columbia University, Dartmouth College, Harvard University, New York University, Princeton University, Stanford University, and Yale University. All the Ivy Leagues. Nope, don't need it anymore. In March, Columbia University announced that it would permanently drop the SAT and ACT testing requirements, becoming the first Ivy League school to do so. The State University of New York announced in April that it would no longer require standardized testing for admission, unquote. Yep, covered both of those when it happened. Again, not surprising. When your radical ideologies don't meet up with a separate conglomerate, 
that is responsible for administering a test and coming up with questions for the test, and those questions on the test don't match up with the radical, opinionated, subjective ideologies that they're being taught within a K-12 environment, don't be shocked if they fail. That should be expected. And as you can expect, it's, it's a financial crisis for these schools as well. Because again, you're bringing in individuals who don't know what they're doing. They're, they're being thrown into a completely separate, quote-unquote, indoctrination program. They have to change the way that they're basically receiving this indoctrination material, which again, isn't factual information in the slightest. And then with low enrollment and with, of course, the never-ending jab depopulation element, you're going to have less people showing up. Now, you've heard me say time and time again, what's one of the first departments that gets slashed at a university or a college when you have low enrollment? As it turns out, it's teacher education. That's one of the first. So the entire business is being crushed in the old Star Wars trash compactor from both angles on a constant basis. But there's also this here at the local level where I live, at Miami University. They're doing away with the humanities for the most part. So it says this, it says low enrollment majors were identified at Miami University as having 35 students or less in the program by the provost's office, along with Latin American studies. 17 other majors were identified as low enrollment. These include the following, American studies, art history, critical race and ethnic studies, classical studies, French, French education, German, German education, health communication, health information technology, Italian studies, Latin education, religion, Russian, East European and Eurasian studies, Spanish education, social justice and women's, gender and sexuality studies. Those are all allegedly being eliminated. Good. We live in America. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how else to put it. We live in America. What do you mean there's low enrollment in all these foreign programs having to do with foreign languages? For foreigners. Strange. Strange how those are the ones that get cut. It's not strange. They're useless. They're useless. It is as useless as a middle school in America having Chinese as a foreign language that is optional. Give me a break. That was always one of the things that drove me nuts when I was a school teacher, in particular at the middle school level, of course, at the high school level with even more foreign languages making the rounds, but certainly at the middle school level. Mr. Brooks, I just got, I just got out of my Chinese class. I'm like, great. Do you know Chinese? And they went, no, but I learned a couple letters and a couple of, couple of numbers. I'm going, great. Now, how often are you in that class? Um, every other day for a semester? <laughs> and I said, so for half a semester? And they went, uh-huh. And I thought to myself, why don't you take an English class? Another one. How about you offer more than one English classes? Heaven forbid they take a grammar class. Because are we not seeing the, the negative results of what occurs when students don't understand basic grammar? We're seeing this constantly. 
It's in the way that people talk, the way they write, the things that they say. Um, totally, totally. Can't believe it. Um, totally, absolutely, totally. No doubt, totally. Right? Right? It's nuts. And it's not just minors, I might add. Older adults speak the exact same way. And again, in the future, when I do a local example here, or a local episode, rather, about um, local politics right before the election, I'm going to highlight some of these people, and you're going to hear the way that they talk. These are grown adults. One in particular was, a, uh, and still is, a Miami University professor. She can hardly speak the English language. She talks like a child. She sounds like a child. Oh, yes, I just, I totally love that. I just, you know, it's just so great. I just totally, it's just so great. It's just totally, totally, all the time. And she's being interviewed by university students who talk the exact same way. It's amazing. Yes, do away with them. Have more English courses. Teach English. Have them write old English. Heaven forbid they actually read an you know, an old letter or old writings from our forefathers. Have you ever done that? Have you ever gone back and read George Washington's actual writing in Thomas Jefferson and John Adams the way that they actually wrote? It makes us all look retarded, myself included. It really does. It's incredible the way that they wrote. We look like brain-dead morons based on the way that they wrote and the way that they spoke English. It's incredible. Of course, they were English by and large, or from English descent, more, more, uh, you know, more directly than than we were. But the point is, is that they knew how to write and they knew how to speak. Not us. Nope. Don't forget to sign up for your Chinese class in uh, in middle school, because that's important. And don't give anybody the option of taking advanced English classes and grammar classes and writing classes in high school. No, no, no. We need to pound them into Spanish 3. Make sure that you take Spanish 3 because it's a requirement to graduate. Again, me personally, I would love to see foreign languages eliminated from high school as a requirement at the state level. Eliminate them. I want students to graduate from whatever environment they're graduating from, whether it be these failing American K-12 schools, even a, even a homeschooling environment. They should be able to speak and write the English language far better than they do now. And God willing, it would sound more like the way that Thomas Jefferson and and George Washington spoke and wrote. That would be nice. It truly would. It would raise the bar, would it not? But that's not happening. Because the people doing the teaching aren't referencing those individuals because they were racists and slave owners. No, no, wrong again. This again is where feelings instead of facts take the place. But anyway, too bad for Miami University and all their nonsense programs. Looks like they're going to have to find something better to do. Unfortunately, they have, and it's equally as retarded. So here it comes. The next story I have lined up here, can't make this up. Again, why are they failing? Gee, <laughs> let's, let's, let's count the ways. Here's another one. This is from the Miami student, which happens to be uh, the nation's oldest college newspaper, believe it or not, 1826. 
Uh, it says the following, and it's titled the following, Miami sets official carbon neutral date during university address. Now, let's keep something in mind. The president's name is Greg Crawford. He's jabbed. Push the jabs on everybody. He, this guy is an absolute tool of the deep state, and I don't even think he's that bright to be in charge of any deep state-related stuff. He's just a tool. This guy believes without question every single narrative that comes down the pipeline, every single one. So here's essentially what he has said. They apparently have a climate action plan. So first of all, of course, they think that climate change is a real thing. It is not. They believe all of those lies. They're also probably trying to acquire electric buses, which I mentioned uh, very briefly in the Substack also, which was an excellent YouTube video, if I'm not mistaken, that a listener of the show sent my way also. Absolutely fantastic. It was a uh, an automotive guy, and he's talking about electric vehicles. And he says, look, they catch fire. They're electric. And when they catch fire and there's people inside, it renders the doors and the windows inoperable. You can't open them. I mean, I've seen these videos of people in a burning Tesla and a burning bus that is electric, and they're having to kick out the windows in order to get out. I wonder if these universities have, have taken that into consideration, that what if you have a bunch of handicapped individuals on one of these buses, or not handicapped individuals, and it catches fire, and the bus stops. Oops, can't move the bus. Oh, the bus is on fire. What do you mean you can't open the door? What do you mean you can't open the windows? What are we all supposed to do? And they just all cook inside. What then? What, what's going to happen then? But don't worry. According to Greg Crawford, Miami University is proud to announce that Miami will go carbon neutral by the date of 2040. Now here's what they don't understand either. Carbon neutral means them being dead. It's a trick. It's a ploy. It's another buzzword that gets thrown out into the brainwashed populace's vernacular. And then they just say, well, we have to repeat this because they said to say it. So if we say it, we'll sound smart by default. No, you sound like a brain dead moron. Because no one says carbon neutral who has a brain. You are the carbon that they seek to eliminate. And yes, Greg Crawford, you're going to be dead by 2040 because you're jabbed. And look around the campus. It's not full. Not by a long shot. Where'd they all go? Was it an abracadabra trick and they all disappeared in the hat? I don't think so. 80 to 90 plus percent individuals took the shots. Where'd they all go then? It's absolutely nuts. These people, I'm, I'm telling you, the writing is all over the wall here. Here's what the article says also. It says, the goal of carbon neutrality by 2040 is sooner than the goal set by Miami's energy provider, Duke Energy, also a deep state apparatus, which plans to go carbon neutral by 2050. And the 2040 date, I might add, ladies and gentlemen, this fictitious date for this fictitious thing that doesn't exist is pissing off actual students who are so far brainwashed, there's no saving them. Here's an actual quote from one of these morons. They said, quote, I do like the sustainability initiatives. I would hope 
that they would come a bit sooner because I saw the graph that the actual date for carbon neutrality is 2040, said a Derek Sanabria Valderrama, a third-year, very American name, kidding, a third-year diplomacy major who attended the address, quote, I would love to see it a bit sooner because I know we have the money for it, unquote. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Why don't you decrease your carbon by just taking the most updated booster shot? Just do that. And then you'll be out of the way and you will be carbon neutral. Because ultimately, that's the goal. It says Miami has been transitioning off fossil fuels for the past 15 years, well before PCLC or the creation of the Climate Action Task Force. It's all pretend. All of this is pretend. They're not doing anything. They're not solving any problems. All they're doing is wasting more money. You heard that student say, we have the money. I thought this was supposed to be cheaper. I thought getting away from your so-called fossil fuels, which don't exist, by the way, there's just gas and oil under the ground, always have been, and it's not because of dinosaur bones, you morons. <laughs> Honestly, it's got nothing to do with that. It's all pretend. But I thought it was all supposed to be more sustainable and eco-friendly. It always costs more money. It always costs more money. That's the entire point. That's the con game. That's the whole scheme. And they're buying right into it. Very sad. Okay, moving on, jab-related stuff. Here we go. Uh, this, this one is a heartbreaker. I've got two heartbreaking stories here. Uh, well, a few of them, as a matter of fact, but two from listeners of the show and, uh, and contributors to the show here who have sent a great deal of information. The first is from A.J. Gochik out in California. He sent this to me at the end of the week, and this has to do with a, uh, a very young girl by the name of Autumn Shawl. And I'm going to read basically the text thread here that, that he sent me, but I'm going to do my best kind of to summarize it. Autumn took her, uh, Autumn was taken rather, to the Lucille Packard Children's Hospital. And she was taken there because she had diarrhea and then E. coli. And before you knew it, she was placed on a ventilator. Now, unfortunately, there was also the business of jabbed or unjabbed blood as a part of this story. So let me just get into this right here. Uh, let's see. He said Stanford called Child Protective Services on the family because the parents insisted on using their own unvaccinated blood. They are unvaxxed. CPS came by yesterday to talk to them. Now there's a court hearing via Zoom in 10 minutes, and he sent this to me again on Friday afternoon. He said the blood transfusion has been resolved, but the parents want her off the ventilator, which has been on for four days now. The girl was walking and urinating on her own before that. My feeling is Stanford screwed up, and they want to blame the parents. I've been playing bad cop since I got here. It's getting around social media. Todd Callender uh, contacted the family to offer to represent them. Candace Owens, I know all about her, but anyway, she wants to interview the mom. 
I replied back and I said, Candace offers nothing. I said, let Todd help if he can. And Candace is an ambulance chaser. She's in it for clicks and whatever else. Um, I asked then, of course, why was she in the hospital in the first place? And he said, diarrhea, then E. coli, HUS syndrome, HUS syndrome. And then, of course, the ventilator is, is the kicker in all of this. We know exactly what's gone on with the ventilators this entire time. They shove a ventilator down their throat for something that they don't need a ventilator for, and they get more money. That's, it, I mean, that, that has to be it. That's the, that's the, whole, that's the whole ploy there. Uh, either way, she apparently can breathe on her own. Uh, the court hearing was going on. As he told me, he said he was recording it. And uh, they ev- or he even got apparently a doctor who was there to admit that uh, she can breathe on her own and the ventilator was completely unnecessary. So it was all a money grab. And again, we know that once they're on the ventilator, coming off of it is remarkably difficult. And uh, the internal and, and even brain damage that can occur as a result of all of it is astounding. So prayers to her. I don't know where the case sits as of right now. I'll see what AJ sends here in the future, and I'll reach out to him to see how this has resolved itself one way or another, but absolutely awful. Either way, if you want to demand action or accountability, here's the phone number. Again, it's the Lucille, if I'm saying that right, Packard Children's Hospital, 650-736-4089. And the patient's name again is an Autumn Shale, S-C-H-A-L-L, or Shawl. I could, could have that wrong. My apologies. So that's the first one. The second one, I'm going to do my best to recall this from memory here, but our Michigan business owner friend, has an adult friend who went to the hospital with a bloody nose, and it was bleeding apparently a lot. Um, the bloody nose came about as a result of taking the COVID swab test or having that test administered to her, if memory serves, and it, it broke the blood-brain barrier, causing her to bleed. I don't think immediately, although I could again have that wrong, but. I'm messing up the timeline here. The the point is, is that ended up actually happening and then the bleeding would not stop. Went back to the hospital and was told that they have to have cranial surgery in order to fix the problem. They were then told, the patient was told, that the reason that this is happening has nothing to do with the COVID swab test, but it has to do with something related to either their diet, not eating enough vegetables, and ridiculous excuses of that nature, when clearly it was from the COVID swab test and, of course, all of the graphene oxide and the other poisons that are associated with that test and the unnecessary nature of the test, and then, of course, having it crammed into the back of your brain through your nose. The irony in all of this also is not just that blatant error on their part and lack of admission on their part, but they wouldn't let the patient have any visitors or family visitors unless the family or the visitors themselves got the same COVID swab test done on them. I'm telling you, the level of stupidity in this entire scenario and this whole situation is next level. You you can't write 
this level of stupidity in a script. This is authentic. This is authentic. Well, they're in here for a broken arm, and the only way that you can come and visit them is if you break your arm using the same baseball bat that they broke. So go ahead, and then we'll let you in. You, you can't make this kind of stuff up. It's beyond sad, it's beyond stupid, but it's happening, and it's very, very real. This is also very, very real, and this right here is, again, more proof that should wake some people up, which I personally think makes the letter that I sent the Westerville City School District last week even more relevant, because I referenced in that letter to them and in that warning of what they have done in the past and what they may do in the future that major hospital conglomerates are closing and major hospitals themselves have nurses and staff members that are going on strike. Well, it's not just them, ladies and gentlemen, it's pharmacies, Walgreens in particular. And this is a, this is a twofer. Not only are Walgreens pharmacists going on strike all across the country, but the Walgreens in the town where I live is closing its doors in approximately one month. They will cease to exist. And again, neither party, not the pharmacists, I don't think, nor Walgreens itself, although let's face it, they really know. They know the real answers. But they're, they're not indicating as to the real answers as to why no one's going there anymore. No one's going there anymore because more people are waking up to the pharmaceutical industry. They don't want to even buy over-the-counter drugs because those are poison and those don't work, more people are finding natural ways of curing themselves, which is excellent. That's the way it should have always been. And people don't want the death shots anymore. And they're short-staffed. Because let's face it, they as a company force the jabs probably on all of their employees, certainly their pharmacists. And now what? They're sick, they're dead, and they don't have enough workers. Because, again, let's face it, an awake person isn't going to want to work in a Walgreens or even a CVS or any pharmacy or drugstore for that matter. They, they want nothing to do with it. But here's what it says regarding not only Walgreens, but the local one where I live. It says the local one is going to close on November 15th. An employee at the store told the Journal News that her coworkers were not explicitly told why. No kidding. Shannon Mooney a shift leader at, at the Oxford location said that the company is closing some stores nationwide and they've worked there for three years. A spokeswoman for Walgreens said that the company is trying to retain local employees at nearby locations. She did not directly answer a question about why the store is closing. Quote, when faced with difficult decisions to close a location, several factors are taken into account including our existing footprint of stores, dynamics of the local market, and changes in the buying habits of our patients and customers, said Karen May, a, spokes, a spokeswoman for Walgreens. The closure announcement locally came as Walgreens made headlines for pharmacist walkouts in other parts of the country. Organizers told reporters this week they walked out to protest poor working conditions. <laughs> It's not, be, it's not because there's cockroaches on the floor and the, and the roof is leaking. That's not what they mean by poor working conditions. What they mean is they're short-staffed and the lines 
to receive pharmaceutical drugs are very long because the only people going there are the brainwashed, jabbed, sick people. That's why. It continues, and they said that the company places unreasonable demands on pharmacy workers without adequate staffing, according to USA Today. The closure, uh, they say locally, is unrelated to the walkouts and that the vast majority of our 9,000 locations continue to serve our patients and customers. Nonsense. Nonsense. It's all related. You have less customers because you have people also that don't trust it. That's a big, that's a big variable in this equation. Walgreens announced in June that it plans to close 150 stores by next summer. At the time, the company cited lagging sales, in part because of lower COVID-19 vaccine and testing sales, according to the Associated Press. I wonder why. Because they know it's fraudulent. People are waking up to this. Yes, some people are not, but many are. Now let me get to this too. Just a bunch of Dr. Mackis um, headlines here from his substack, COVID Intel or macusmd.substack.com. This first one, turbo cancer, lung cancer stage four, very young age, non-smoker, resistant to treatment, new mothers at risk, poor prognosis, features of COVID-19 mRNA vaccine turbo cancer of lung, 30 tragic cases, and then highlights, of course, all 30. The first one that he highlights, and again, I'd have to pay to see the rest, but the first one he highlights is a 28-year-old uh, Scottish gal with stage 4 lung cancer, diagnosis in March, and she died six months later. No smoking history, and the lung cancer spread to both her lungs and her lymph nodes. Then there is this one. Uh, let's see. mRNA injury series HLH, hemophilagiocystic lymphohistocytosis. That's a mouthful. Hope I got that right. After COVID-19 mRNA vaccination, severe autoimmune reaction. New as of October 9th of 2023, paper sheds light. Looks like sepsis, but has a 14% fatality. And this is a teenager 17 years old who died from a rare blood disorder after the doctors thought that she had tonsillitis. Not true. Jabbed. There you go. Here's another one. Summer of died suddenly. Police officers and sheriff's deputies. COVID-19 mRNA vaccine mandated profession continues to have sudden deaths. June to August of 2023, 40 deaths. He highlights. And the same is true, actually, with firefighters, which is his most recent one. Uh, summer of died suddenly. Firefighters, COVID-19 mRNA vaccine-mandated profession continues to have sudden deaths June to September of 2023, and he highlights 20 specific deaths. It's constant. It's a constant thing. There's also this. A former Miss World contestant, Sharika DeArmas, is dead at 26, one of the most beautiful women, blah, blah, blah. Again, dead at 26 of cervical cancer. What are the odds? And again, beauty pageant contestant winner, probably international traveler, jabbed. When you're in a line of work, 
that again requires team players, quote unquote, and everybody to just kind of blindly go along with the crowd, of which you've heard me say a million times on this show, you're going to get sucked into that vortex. If you're a non-thinking person and you go along with the crowd to just get along, you're going to fall for any trick. You're going to fall for any psyop, and you're certainly going to fall for any kind of a depopulation agenda. And this shot, of course, is a depopulation agenda. was from the very beginning. It's been written about for a very long time. I'm not saying that 26-year-olds don't die of cervical cancer. They probably could. But what's the thing that's increasing the likelihood of cancer and reproductive organ cancer among both men and women? It is the shots. There is no other explanation. Now, do they say that in this article? No, they don't. But we can take a guess, can we not? And I would probably say finally this. Of course, uh, Pfizer's stock started to plummet over the course of last week because of a collapsing demand for their COVID medications, quote-unquote. And then there's this from Reuters just the other day, quote, over 7 million Americans have gotten the updated COVID vaccine. Well, that's not good. That means in order to receive the most recent COVID vaccine, you're at least three deep already, which means this would be your fourth at least. That's not, uh, that's not going to work out for the 7 million at all. It says more than 7 million Americans have rolled up their sleeves for the updated COVID-19 vaccine as of Wednesday, according to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, despite reports that some people are still finding it difficult to book vaccination appointments or find the shots at no cost. Now, these are both excuses. You can find the shot at no cost, and you don't have to book an appointment. They have signs outside of all of these murdering places that are offering these jabs for free, and that you can just walk in and get one. So, again, they're using that as an excuse to continue to push the availability when, in fact, people just by and large don't want them because they know what they're doing to people. It's a kill shot. It says the updated vaccines from Moderna and Pfizer and BioNTech are single-target shots aimed at the XBB.1.5 Omicron subvariant. Fiction, fiction. Fictitious story, fiction, fiction about things that are fiction. None of that's real. Fairy tale, fairy tale fiction. Unbelievable that people are buying any of this. I'm, I'm blown away. But, you know. It's disappointing, the human race, sometimes. They are this stupid. They say it was a dominant variant in the United States for much of this year, but has since been overtaken as the virus continues to evolve. Millions of doses of another updated COVID vaccine from Novavax have also been made available to Americans this week, according to the company. Distribution of the Pfizer and Moderna shots began after the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recommended them on September 12th. Last year's booster targeting the original virus and other variant was, or and another variant rather, fictitious anyway, was rolled out about 10 days earlier. And by September 28th of 2022, a year ago, almost 7.6 million Americans had received the updated shots says the U.S. public health officials have been optimistic that Americans will get new vaccines 
and have recommend and have recommended that everyone ages six months and older receive one. Well, if you do, it's lights out. It's pretty much that simple. It says about 17% of the U.S. population, or 56.5 million people, ultimately received last year's version of the vaccines. And guess who else received these shots? I'm certain. Certainly the ones from last year, anyway. It would probably be Megyn Kelly's dead friend. Megyn Kelly, ladies and gentlemen, of Fox News fame, is not only double or triple jabbed and apparently has a permanent autoimmune condition, so she says herself, but her own sister is now dead from the shots, and most recently, one of her 46 year old female friends, married mother of two, is also dead, died suddenly in her home. She announced all of this on her Sirius XM podcast, The Megyn Kelly Show. Now look, this right here is where the rubber meets the road and the bullet hits the bone. If these people, who are in positions like she's in, who were dumb enough to take the shots or even not, okay, regardless of their jab status, if you're on any platform, with an audience size that she apparently still has, and you would think that she would have no credibility at this point based on everything she's done in the past, but there are unfortunately people who still listen to her. Given her audience size, and even though she's on SiriusXM, which I'm sure she's read the memo from them that says, we're not here to talk about the shots, so don't bring it up. You can keep bringing up all your dead friends and family members who all have that one thing in common. But whatever you do, do not criticize the shots. The people who have those shows, who are on those networks and on those syndicated platforms making all that money, if they don't bring up the fact that this is all shot-related, they're cowards. It's that simple. We should have no room in our lives for these kinds of cowards because they're still bending the knee to the shekel. That's all they're doing. They're playing the corporate company game. And Megyn Kelly, of all people, should know better. All the criticizing she did about Fox News and what you could and could not say at Fox News and the way that they were treated and not treated at Fox News and, well, that's why I left and that's why I did this and I'm a hero, so come and listen to me. All that virtue signaling. And she's got people around her, including her immediate family members, dying from the shots, and she's not saying peep about it. Now again, I don't listen to her, her show, so I don't know if she's actually said anything about it or not, but I'm taking a guess because I heard an audio clip of it recently regarding her dead friend, and it's up on my gab, and she basically just said again, well, I'm taking tomorrow off because my friend died, so that's why I won't be here. No word about it being shot-related, but we certainly know that it was. Because 46-year-old people, who are probably of pretty good health, with no underlying conditions, don't just drop over. Again, if you're in a position, and you have an audience, and you're not talking about this, you are the enemy of this country. It is that simple. I don't care if you're an American citizen or not does not matter. 
If you're not saying what needs to be said about this, regardless of who you work for, then you are the problem. You're helping and contributing to this country's destruction by not saying what you need to say. You need to find your moral fortitude someplace and start to put it into motion. And stand with the truth no matter what, even if it leads to your death. This is a big, big deal because this is a matter of life and death. That's what this is. I'm going to end with this quick little story. I got done reading the book Live Not by Lies. I highly recommend the book. It is very well done, in particular the second half. Excellent stories throughout the second half. Um, A lot of biblical references, learning about how God moves people from one place to the next, why he has people do the things that they do, and again, see the things that they see and hear the things that they hear. And as you might expect, all of that is a giant on purpose. So I'm going to reference one particular story here, which was toward the end. He referenced a story of an inmate who was in a Soviet gulag, and he was placed within this cell with other inmates. And almost all of the inmates within this cell were essentially signed up to be executed, and they would all be shot. That's how they would be executed, and then most certainly tossed into a mass grave, and then that's that was the end of it. Um, this particular individual made his way into this cell. He was let in by guards. The gate closes behind him, and there they all are. And it's he and over half a dozen other inmates, all in this one room. And he said that when he was there, he, view, he, he basically took it upon himself to explain to them that God is real and that they have a purpose and that they can always repent. That he, of course, as an inmate with them, is not God himself, clearly, but that if they are interested in repenting for any previous sin that they really engaged in, whether they did or not, because again, let's face it, innocent people were, of course, slaughtered in Soviet Russia all of the time just for fun, but they, uh, they ultimately ended up doing just that. And what he said was, is that when he was having some influence with these individuals and the mood was changing and they were finding a level of peace about them, about themselves and within themselves, before they were taken out of this cell to be executed, the individual who was brought in as the last individual who, again, was sort of doing some of the preaching to these individuals and helping these individuals find some peace, that he was removed from that jail and thrown into solitary confinement. He didn't know why necessarily at first. He thought, well, maybe it was, again, because he was treating them kindly and helping them and helping them find peace in XYZ. Later on, as he was in solitary confinement, he would start to hear the guards pull all of these inmates out one at a time on separate days at separate occasions. And he never had the opportunity to actually see their faces as they were being led away to be executed. Because again, if they were being pulled out at random times, it wasn't because they were going to find themselves in a solitary confinement. It was because they were going to be let out and, and 
be shot. So he essentially said that he didn't see their faces as they were being let out. And initially he thought that uh, that was rather sad because he wanted to see these people one more time, but later on recognized that that was probably a good thing that he didn't see them one last time or saw their faces. Because uh, as he was in solitary confinement, of course, he couldn't he couldn't see them. He could just hear them walking past or see the shadow underneath the door of their feet shuffling along on their way to being executed. As he was in solitary confinement, there was a guard that was outside of his door that he said, and he said that the guard started to describe to him both the horror of what he had seen as a guard within the jail and then the executions that he had witnessed, but also the conviction that a group of individuals, in particular priests, specifically had when it came to their belief in God. He said that a series of approximately seven priests were all taken out of their jail cell all at the same time, and he was a part of this prison crew that was associated with witnessing the executions and leading these prisoners out. He himself as the guard was not the executioner, but he was there to witness this and again help lead these individuals out to this mass grave. He led these priests out along with other guards and then the executioner was there. The executioner lined up all of these priests back to back. Or not I'm sorry, not back to back, but front to back in a line all facing in the same direction. And then he approached the first priest and put a gun to his head and said, do you believe in God? And the priest said, yes. And the executioner pulled the trigger. And they purposefully lined them up so that the entrails or the blood of the head of the individual who was shot first would blow back onto the face of the of the of the other priest and the prisoner who was standing immediately behind him as if to send some kind of a message now we can take a guess that it wouldn't have mattered what their answer was they could have said yes they could have said no they still would have been executed the point is is that one at a time each individual who was about to be executed was asked the exact same question every single time do you believe in god and the answer every time was yes, and every time they were shot in the head afterwards, right down to the very last person. It did not matter, because they did not waver in their conviction. They knew God to be real, death did not scare them, and they weren't going to bow down in the face of the enemy and abandon everything that they knew to be true. I would just encourage people to continue to pay attention to those who are showing their true colors during this time, because we are being shown this on purpose. We're, we are seeing who is cutting and running. We are seeing who is going along with the party line, who is going along to chase the money, who is going along with the mainstream narrative, which is manufactured. It's all designed to create division. But I don't think Christ wants division, does he? He truly doesn't. He wants us to know who our enemies are. And he wants us to know who's fraudulent and who is not. 
And these fraudulent people are everywhere. The Megyn Kellys, the Gateway Pundits, the Glenn Becks, the list is endless. The Mark Levins, that goes without saying. Again, the list is absolutely endless. Everybody on Fox News, they're all showing their true colors, all of them. That they are incapable of being objective because they have no morals and no values. They will say they do. They will, they will be cheerleaders for Christ, so they say on a constant basis, but they could not be larger hypocrites. Again, we're all hypocrites to some extent, but those individuals take the taco. They really do. So keep your eyes peeled again with everything that's happening and everything that's going forward. A lot of what's going on overseas is manufactured. I see a clip of video. I don't know what date it was. I don't know when it was from. We're not getting any footage of anybody talking about anything that's happening on a particular day. They're not standing on a clock holding up a recent newspaper while pointing at a calendar, which means I have no idea what's real and what isn't. But don't react to it. Just think about it and pay attention again to the constant hypocrisy because it is everywhere. And yeah, it's overwhelming. But remain strong in your convictions and you'll be okay. And make sure that those convictions are true. That would certainly help also. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. I'll catch you on Wednesday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.